Hey guys, this is Ralph Macho. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is William Zapka. You're listening to Cobra Kai Companion, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. I am Brianna. And we are back with another episode review, this time episode four of season three, The Right Path. Uh, the teleplay by one of our favorite writers, Michael Jonathan Smith, and directed by the previous uh, director, they do it in blocks, Lynn Oding. Oding. Um, I haven't been corrected yet, so we might be doing okay so far, I think, with that pronunciation. Possibly. Yeah. Um, the right path. Okay. So the name game, uh, a, a lot of paths here at the end, end of the episode. Well, I, I guess we can say that Daniel appears to be going on the right path from, um, you know, the previous episodes where he's still trying to find that balance. Well, yeah, where he's trying to, he's trying to save the company. Well, th- there's, there's that, but uh, other things as well. Um, Crease is trying to lead Johnny back to the uh, quote-unquote right path. Offering the third of 17 last chances. A- 18. 18, I think. Eight, oh, 18. 18. You, you I forgot, forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about the kids? Any any paths there? We got um, Robbie. Uh, Johnny's trying to bring Robbie back on what he thinks is the right path. Um, yeah. Trying. It's, it's very pitiful. Um, overall, Johnny's interactions with Robbie in this episode are are, are pitiful. Yeah. Um, the other Miyagi-Do students, not, qu- not quite the right path yet either. Um, no, a little bit too much anger going on there, I do believe. Not enough, if you ask me, but um, that's fine. <laughs> I don't like that look on Dimitri's face. You know, he's supposed to be the, the lovable goofball badass, but... It, I don't like that look on his face, that that like actual anger. You know, that that's OK. That's OK. I'm, I'm all right with it. I mean, this episode is like that tweet that I have referenced a few times um, pre season three, where I said, I hope season three shows us that Miyagi-Do, uh, you know, can also be badass and not be a bunch of pussies that, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people out there hear Miyagi-Do and just think a bunch of pansies. Right. To to take Hawks. Um, vocabulary from this episode which and makes absolutely no sense because they've kicked cobra kai's ass at every turn with the exception of the tournament yeah but i mean that's just fighting but i i think it's also like the way they carry themselves i, I think they just kind of had it right i mean kind of what you said it, it was always during fights but what about other things too they're not just going to be um, pushovers well, yeah, I mean, if your sensei is a is a, a very hot headed Italian man, uh, why does he expect you to be a pacifist? Sorry, I heard hot Italian man. What? Oh, well, yeah, hot, hot Italian man, definitely. <laughs> but hot headed Italian man. Um, I, I don't I don't think, though, that Daniel ever really expects the kids to be a pacifist because he knows he's not one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he might think he's one, but I'm pretty sure he knows he's not. Right. Um, well, before we get deep into it, uh, before I forget, we do uh, have some feedback, which I'll read at the end of the episode. 
so that's uh, very exciting. We've not have really been calling it, calling for it, but we've said, hey, if you want to leave voicemails, we'll you know play it and and respond. So we definitely got one. Um, anything else you want to throw out? Uh, I, I teased on Instagram yesterday that the I'll, I'll be switching over to the new logo pretty soon on social media, and we're still working on the um, on the cover art for for the podcast. Yes. Um, exciting news in Breland. Um, I have gotten myself a um, after months and months and months and months of fighting with the Windows machine that would not run Photoshop without crashing every five minutes and wouldn't let me save anything. Um, I have broken down. I have gotten myself a new computer. I am back on my beloved Mac. <laughs> Um, and here's hoping that this one lasts me the same 11 years. The last one did, because if it does, I will have a computer until 2030. There you go. Which yeah. we're, we're still hoping Cobra Kai is still going strong by then. We'll see, uh, perhaps the, um, over 20 tournament, uh, or, or I'm sorry, over 30. Over 70 at that point. <laughs> well, it depends who's a uh, contestant. Who's fighting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which dojos. Um, right. All right. Uh, anything else before we really get into it? Uh, no. Just, just to throw it out. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Let's let's start off with uh, Daniel sitting at the bar. Uh, this is in Tokyo. Um, no, no, no. Hold on. Uh, wrong note. Daniel strikes out at his presentation at Doyana in Tokyo. Um, the gentleman here says that they just want to avoid the negative PR and they're going to kind of continue business without him. Uh, it, it makes me wonder just how far reaching American California karate is mm-hmm. worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> that Japan gives a crap about um, a high school fight. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, it's, it's a great question and comment. Yes. I, I don't know. Uh, apparently, you know, we don't know what went on with uh, Cole, what, what was said and stuff like that. So, we know what happened, but we don't know what else Cole might have said to them to um, have them cut ties with Daniel. Right. But I mean, I, I mean, I, obviously it works for the plot. I think it's it's a very creative and well-written way to get him back over to Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a fantastic way to set up, you know, the, the middle of the season arc. But um, it just... I, these are huge international businessmen. They're not just going to take Tom Cole at their word and they're really not going to give a crap. Yeah. They, they know, care who sells their cars. Right. Um, in the, in the next uh, sequence here, Daniel's on FaceTime with Amanda. I guess I, we didn't really bring it up in the previous episode, but were you a little bit surprised that um, with Amanda, she was, is it pessimistic, right? Is that the, the opposite of, Optimistic? Yes. Okay. Yeah, just because like in the previous seasons, you you would think that Amanda's a little bit more um, you know, trying to usher him on into being positive and and things like that. Like I, I felt she was a little bit more maybe not negative, just um it just it, it seemed like how am I trying to word this? Well, like, I mean, she she has been, but also at the same point, this is this is the this is the first time we've really seen them interacting as co-business owners, especially yeah. in adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of get the feeling that, 
especially since Mr. Miyagi is influencing so much of what's going on. Um, you know, when it comes to matters of karate and Mr. Miyagi, Daniel is the eternal. Um, uh, what, what was what was it? Siskel and Ebert said that he bounced when he walked and, you know, came <laughs> well, and um, said that, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but he's he's eternally optimistic that anything involving Mr. Miyagi is going to turn out absolutely perfect, no matter what it is, uh, up to and including a ridiculous scheme to sell pine trees in California. I don't know. Anyway, um I think that Amanda's role in that has always been to kind of step him back a little bit so he doesn't get super, super disappointed. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, because Daniel kind of blows hot and cold, right? I mean, oh yeah. if, if if ever I, I don't want to, you know, go all the way to, you know, make the mental health diagnosis or whatever, but he's he's a lot like me in that he's kind he's got manic depressive tendencies, even if he's not manic depressive. He is either firing all on all cylinders, one hundred and twenty thousand miles an hour, or he is so low that he's digging his own grave. Yeah, and I think Amanda just tries to keep him from being either of those yeah, it, it, it makes sense that, um, you know, she's just trying to reel him back a little bit uh, because, you know, she wants him to face reality a little bit. But I just I, I just thought that maybe the dealership meant so much not to just Daniel, but to the both of them that she would also I mean, obviously, she let him go to Japan, to Tokyo, you know, for for this meeting. But um, it's just like in in, in the previous episode, it, it just seemed as though that she had come to terms with what they might actually have to do instead of like maybe coming up with uh, some other options. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I mean, I, I think that, um, cause you know, it, obviously she was on board with the, you know, the, um, impromptu artwork in the middle of the the sale plan and mm-hmm. <laughs> um and all of that and they were definitely united front and you know fuck you tommy get out of our dealership and and all of that but i also think that you know she is the more business minded where daniel is the people minded side mm-hmm. of this partnership amanda mm-hmm. is the business minded one so she's always going to look at it as a very pragmatic, you know, um, like he's he's off tilting at his windmills and she's like, yeah, but it's just a bar wedge, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but she's oh, I'm sure constantly thinking of, you know, if this doesn't work, what can we do? And and that kind of stuff back in mm-hmm. California. But she's giving him his chance to go off and do his thing. Right. And see if it works. And he tell her tells her that he won't come home without a yes. So he's uh, not only is he determined, but also uh, just in the writing here. I like the fact that this is kind of how the conversation ends. So I wonder if like people are watching this and, you know, see the interactions between Daniel and Kumiko and go, well, what about Amanda? Well, he he told Amanda that he's not coming back until there's a yes. So there wouldn't be like any interruptions between, you know, like the scenes of Daniel uh, and Kumiko, you know, so that's just something I kind of picked up on. 
my my first thought actually on hearing that line was okay either he's going to succeed or daniel is moving to okinawa um (laughs) (laughs) there's really you know there's one or the other um but i think that you know they've been together long enough and they've been married long enough and they know each other well enough that she knows when he's off on his thing that she has to just leave him be Mm -hmm. Um, and he'll contact her when he needs to. And like right. you said, they they left it where I am not coming home until I have succeeded. Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't need to check in with her every six hours and say, nope, haven't succeeded yet. Oh, right. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> well, um, I mean, it's, uh, it's been the same the last six hours. Right. <laughs> I still suck, babe, but I, I, I'm working on it. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, Kenji uh, clocked out. Now I'm talking to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kenji. Yeah. Michael. Uh, so let's uh, jump to that. Daniel's sitting at the bar going through old pictures. Um, we see him and Miyagi. We see the family. Uh, but yeah, Kenji, played by Ma- Michael Sasaki, who we've interviewed, um, is the bartender here. Yes, now, the spirit of Mr. Miyagi. Yes, he, he is given this uh, fantastic line uh, that you can know. Well, obviously, he says that are you um, in town visiting your friend, you know, because he talks about the, the picture that he, he saw. And Daniel mentions that, you know, his friend, Mr. Miyagi is no longer with us. And Kenji says that um, you can always visit someone that they speak to us even when they're gone. Right, right. And, you know, that's very much the same um, role that the uh, the uh, Latino fisherman on the mm -hmm. beach from season two. two. Um, But it it, it actually uh, on looking back, it didn't dawn on me then or even when we were you know talking to michael but uh, looking back on it now and thinking first of all it's that ridiculous ugly ass inside out camouflage orange jacket that i loathe with every ounce of my being second of all he's looking at a picture (laughs) he's he's looking at a picture of daniel at 17 and at daniel at 49 sitting in front of him and he's like, oh, are you here seeing your friend? Like, is that a recent picture, Kenji? Um, it's 30 you know years old. It's he's not looking. He just sees two gentlemen in a picture. You know, I, I don't <laughs> think he's like if you just glance over it. Look, has Ralph Macchio aged in the last 36 years? No. Or? And actually, he's going <laughs> backwards these last five. So we'll, see. well, there you go. Yeah. So he, you know, Kenji looks over and it's like, oh, yeah, that looks like yesterday. You know, so he doesn't know. It's it pretty well does. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, from his vantage point, all he sees is that damn orange jacket. <laughs> oh, God, that thing is so ugly. <laughs> if if they could erase any Daniel costume out of the last 36 years, get rid of that stupid jacket. Hmm. Yeah, I hate that thing. And why they have to keep using that as a picture when they have a photograph of him in the happy with Mr. Miyagi. I would much rather stare at that. Yeah, every season. That, that's a good point. I'm, I'm not sure why uh, they choose some of the photos. Right. I mean, we, we had a, a question of photo uh, that appeared in season one during the All Valley uh, um, meeting. Right. So, oh, yeah, when um, they're talking about Mike and pushing or passing around yeah. a picture of johnny yep i mean it, it also could very well be uh something where it's like hayden trying to insert anything season or uh, credit kid three that's right? entirely possible <laughs> there's a little bit of that hey why don't you guys mention terry too you know like in season one you know something like that we don't know well yeah but yeah that's true well um, daniel did mention terry in season one a couple of times mm. 
Uh, and then we get an American commercial saying, hey, you should go to Okinawa in English. <laughs> I'm guessing that a lot of Americans go to Japan and forget that Okinawa was there. Well, you know, like I, I was thinking about this is like, well, maybe um, the lobby, you know, where wherever Daniel's sitting, it, it it is not catered to tourists, but they expect a lot of, you know, uh, outsiders, not just foreigners, but like outsiders to to come through. So they have like, uh, you know, things like this that play. And, and, and maybe it's not even like cable. It's just like something that they have on uh, repeat, you know, like a retail store. Like in a doctor's office. Yeah. You know, something like that. Maybe that's what it is. That's possible. If, it, if this is like some international business park and it looked almost like a window on the world kind of bar. Mm hmm. Um, where they are because out over Kinji's shoulder is like the tops of trees and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I could see that. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Now we cut back to the Cobra Kai dojo and Kreese is, um, you know, teaching the class and telling them that they should never underestimate the enemy uh, to always uh, stay a step ahead, that your mind is agile and all these things but uh, there's a tree on top of a log and he is asking you know the, the students to knock it down a couple failed attempts uh big red rips his pants uh, <laughs> rick and burger uh thought he was gonna spar with the log apparently and and uh missed but right. uh but face plant yeah hawk, a lot of face uh, plants going around mm -hmm, mm -hmm. plants mm -hmm. you like i like it face yeah uh, yeah 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 plants. yeah face plants foot plants shoulder mm -hmm. plants yeah whole thing yeah so, uh, yeah, Hawk knocks it down. Yes, by thinking outside the box. Yep. Um, not just strength, uh, you know, and use your mind. So, obviously, he figured out uh, how else can you um, bring down the tree without having to try to, to kick it. And Rick and Burger thought he uh, cheated. I, I, I didn't think that was cheating. Did you think that was a, a type of cheating? No. Because, no, because he didn't give him instructions. He didn't right. say fly up there and kick the tree. Right. He said, knock it down. Yeah, exactly. Well, what's the best way to knock down the top of a tree? You right. chop the trunk out from under it. And do you think this was um, symbolic at all, having a uh, you know, quote-unquote tree on the top of the log to try and knock it down? Um, no, no, absolutely, absolutely not. Um, okay. You know, it's just like like, uh, you know, Johnny kicking that bonsai out of um, out of out of Frank's hands in the ad that was completely oh, just right. No, 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 okay. no symbolism whatsoever. No, not at all. OK. All right. Um, uh, yeah. I, a little bit of symbolism be. knocking the trunk out from under Miyagi-Do. Just, right. just just a tad bit um, okay. toppling his. If Crease sees himself as David in this particular version of the, of the parable, then that makes Daniel my, my his Goliath, David? right? Oh, no, okay. no, not hot David. We stand David. <laughs> but um, yeah, if he sees himself as, as David, Daniel is his Goliath and he's looking for, you know, someone to shoot the slingshot and create a uh, hawk does. So, mm -hmm. so uh, I'm assuming Tori's working one of her shifts right now. <laughs> Maybe she flew to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> for no particular reason, you know, well, or, or for a valid reason, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to the uh, West Valley General Hospital. Uh, Miguel is going through Hawk's um, Instagram because 
he's got Hawk on notification. Apparently, he sees the the snake. He sees the the kicking of the log. Um, but this is uh, post surgery, and you know we are waiting to find out if that uh, Doctor Fake Alley, you know, worked her miracle or not. Um, Doctor Fake Alley. That's what yeah. we're just gonna call her, Doctor Fake Alley. That's that's what I got her as. But uh, yeah, the nurse, you know, she's there. She's wondering what she can do to comfort Miguel and offers a chocolate cake. I, I, you know what? That usually works on 16 year old boys. You know, he didn't turn it down. He didn't seem nope. too happy about it, too. But like, hey, post operation. I mean, he didn't seem to be drugged. So um, he did this. This might have been some time after that surgery. Uh, yeah, he's not groggy. Um that's what I mean. He's yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, he's not like like strung Carmen out like and, he's on, you know, he may still have a spinal block in or whatever, but but yeah, and 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 you know, it's not like um Carmen or Yaya's there, so he so he should be good, right? So right. I think that's a little passage of time. I know something comes up a little bit later to kind of give us a little bit more of a timeline. Mm-hmm. Um but uh then we see Johnny at the nurse's station apologizing over the phone to Bobby. Which, you know, that's actually a very strange place. Um, I know he doesn't have his uh, his uh, smartphone answering machine anymore, <laughs> so, but um, <laughs> do so they do normally you, let people just call people from the nurse's station? No, but, you know, it, it, he could have said, I'm, I'm calling my uh, preacher friend. Oh, there you uh, go. You I'm, know, calling and, a, I'm calling a priest. Yeah, uh, and and perhaps that uh, priest, pastor, whichever, pick one. I, I'm Buddhist, so my apologies. Um, but uh, he, do you think he called four one one, or do you think he knows Bobby's number? Oh, that's a good question. He's old school, right? So he he's got to he have is old number school memorized. Not, yeah, okay. I'm gonna say not only does he know Bobby's, not only does he know Bobby's phone number, he has dialed it from a rotary phone before. And I bet you he doesn't know what 411 is. Uh, no. Moving on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Johnny gets an update with the nurse and she's like, do you want to go visit him? And he declines and says that Miguel should be with his family. Yeah. But I don't think his family's in there. It's fine. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think if they were there, they would be there. And and the thing is, like, I, I, I know that Johnny's saying that, but clearly he wants to visit Miguel. He just doesn't know how Miguel's going to receive him being there because again, in the previous episode, we saw that, um, you know, uh, Rosa, AKA Yaya asked him to come pray with the family and him and Carmen might be okay because of that uh, donation that he made recently. So. um, Yeah. And I I think that, you know, since the the first words out of Miguel's mouth, you know, when he, when he regains consciousness is basically where's Johnny. Um, Right. You know, where's Sensei? Uh, I, I think she's figured out just how important they are to each other. If anything, though, I think at this point he might still be worried about upsetting Miguel. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, M- Miguel k- kicked him out of his room. Yeah. The last time they saw each other, Miguel, you know, threw him out. So right. I, I think he's probably worried, you know, about upsetting him and wanting to do what's best for Miguel. You know what's just as sad as Miguel kicking Johnny out of his room that way? You know, um, look at me and crying and telling him to leave is, um, I, and this is just coming to me, but when Daniel, you know, yelled at Mr. Miyagi, shut the door on him in part three. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When he slammed the door in Mr. Miyagi's face. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That kills me. I, that, yeah. that boy was so Different stupid. but same. 
you know, yes. um, obviously the tone. in. Uh, well, in, yeah, except Miguel's is a little more warranted. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, no, I got you. I mean, yeah, Daniel's being brainwashed at, at you know, the, the whole nine. But at the moment, all he knows is that Mr. Miyagi, you know, disagreed with him. Right. Right. Uh, so uh, Daniel's arriving to the uh, Okinawa International Airport and we got some uh, some Conti score here. Yes. Missed opportunity, I do believe. Uh, for for what? Showing what the billboard has on it now. Oh, the, um, you know, Sato chopping a tree or. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have him walk past that. That if, if it if it still exists or, you know, the, put one somewhere just so as he walks by, we can see what's on that light board now. Right. And that would that would have been cool. And I'm going to assume that was the real Okinawa airport. And if that's the case, they may not have had time to to do something like that, but they still could have, you know, to what you're saying, they could have done something in Atlanta and had that, you know, but I, I totally right. get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, set it up to look like, you know, what was it they used? Um, I don't know whether it was a set or whether they used the actual, um, you know, um, airport on the big island um, on Hawaii when they filmed the second one. Yeah. You know, but something like that. I thought it would have been really cool. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Um, let's see. And then he hops into a cab and goes to Tommy Village. Uh, has a much less eventful car ride than he did the first time he was there. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, it was very nice to kind of uh, see the the scenic route. Uh, but I, I thought it was interesting that um, the cabbie does ask him, like, when's the last time, you know, he saw Tommy Village and it's been a while and he didn't say anything else there. Um, I, I just thought, like, he didn't need to ask. You know, like, if he didn't ask, like, for me, at least, I wouldn't have wondered, well, why didn't you tell him like, oh, it's changed or something like that. Right. Because then the reveal would have been a little bit um, surprising, I think. Right. But at the same, isn't the cab driver young enough that it's possible that he doesn't remember the actual village off to the side of the airbase? He appeared about the same age as Daniel, if not older, I feel. Um, let me see if I can get a shot of him. It's just, it keeps skipping. Yeah, if while you're doing that, I'll I'll move on. Okay. Um, but they do arrive uh, at a shopping center, and it is now called Tommy Village Green, uh, which has turned has been turned into a mall. We see Gap, Red Lobster, some somewhere there's a Jersey Mike's. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere in there. Somewhere, yeah. You find it yet? Uh, nope. It's yeah. weird. It's no big deal. Yeah, I can't. I, it keeps giving me shots of Daniel. I, it like Netflix won't well, let me. Netflix look at knows what you like. Cab. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let me look at the cab driver. Um, uh, but what the, the thing that the thing that really got me um, on this, the drive, you know, through and up the roads and things like that, even though this is obviously on Okinawa, whereas the second movie was, uh, you know, was filmed in Hawaii. Right. So much of this drive from Naha up to Tomi Village looks like it did in the second movie. Hmm. They did a, a fantastic job, I'm going to say, dressing the, you know, the, the Tomi Village set in Hawaii. Right. Um, because this drive feels familiar, even though we have literally never been here before. Yeah. 
And yeah, kudos to them. I forget how long they were even in Okinawa, but uh, it was really nice to see something really authentic. You know, wasn't it like three days? I don't think it was that short, but um, yeah, it's 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 been a while, so we're kind of forgetting some of these details. Yeah, I thought it was the 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 third through the sixth that they were there. But but I do appreciate them, you know, showing us yeah something real and not dressed uh, in Hawaii or Atlanta in this case. Right. Uh, we cut to the 7th Street Community Center. Uh, Robbie is serving food uh, at the lunch line, and Johnny shows up to apologize. Um, I really do like this. I do think it's sincere. Um, and we also get a, uh, a homeless Lynn sighting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love it, too, because she's like, hey, you know, stop holding up the line or whatever. <laughs> Threatens right. to throw a shoe. A uh, funny line. It, it actually like anytime I, th- I think of a, a shoe throwing, I immediately think back to um, president Bush. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not just me then. No. Um, and I love how she thinks that he's talking her. Right. Which is, a li- I, don't, I don't know if she actually thinks he is, or she's just saying it to get under his skin because that's what she does. Right. Um, um, but uh, true Lynn delivered in that style only lynn can be delivered yeah and i don't i don't think this is a like a nod i'm not gonna call it an easter egg because it's not the same uh, franchise but um lynn does say uh something to the effect of like hey look what do we have here uh biff says uh look at what we have here you know from from the back to the future so i keep i do keep calling back to that uh, and I made a little clip, uh, put that on on the Instagram if people want to check that out. Just kind of a little, you know, not side by side because they're videos, but um, play after play. I don't know. Back to back. Back back to back. That works, too. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, she's calling dibs on the beans. Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> you can have those beans, Lynn. Have yeah. you seen what they look like? Yeah. Look, they're it, not it, exactly a very bean color of bean. Mm, OK, um, they could be refried, maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, whatever. It's yeah. slightly off color. <laughs> um, and Johnny tells Robbie that he's not going to leave until they talk. And Robbie serves him soup. And there's kind of this look that Robbie gives him. I, I think that I, I think he appreciates that Johnny's trying. Um, For a second there, maybe. Yeah, it's just a look. Yeah, yeah, it it. it Either that or, oh, my God, why are you my dad? Um, It's one or the other. Yeah, well, Robbie does mention, like, we had one good day over a month ago. You know, uh, um, there's another thing that he says, too, like, uh, about, like, Johnny trying, like, well, at least you tried or that's not that's not it. But there was something that he said, too, that um, that told me that Robbie at least acknowledged what Johnny was trying to do you know, that one good day that they had. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and I don't know. (sighs) Robbie at the end of the second season, you know, he's going to grab that one good day and he's going to hold on to it and he's going to make it into a thousand good days. Yeah. Just Robbie, that one day is all he has. So, and and he has no choice, but I mean, to think about that one day and relive it in his you know, mind, in his memory uh, while. Right. But does he hold on to it as a positive memory or is he bitter about it? Because it's have the to only day that he has. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we cut to the lunchroom at school and Dimitri shows up with the Earth Science presentation, um, apparently partnered with Yasmin. Yep. And Moon, I assume. 
Yeah, I can't really tell if I can't really tell if Moon is part of their group or not. I, I can't either, or if it's just lunch. And since Moon and Yasmin are friends, that she just happens to be sitting at that table too. Um, hard to say. Um, yeah, they are both equally impressed by the Lego, though. They uh, they really are, um, and it uh, apparently it's to kind of represent what the valley could have looked like when dinosaurs roamed. Um, Yasmin doesn't think it's uh, it's bad, and we find out that uh, she may not to have um, her parents pay for the aid this time. Right. So that was a thing that was happening. <laughs> well, see, that's the, th- the the funny part to me is Dimitri saying, oh, you're never going to have to pay for another A again. Um, so people is, know this. <laughs> right. Which is, you know, basically him saying, I'm going to do your homework until we graduate, honey. Yeah. Uh, in in. Yes. In those, those words. Very, and more. Very, very much so. Obviously, their relationship is progressing. And Dimitri's got some um, confidence we haven't seen yet. Right. So. And the look on on Yasmin's face when she looks at him, I mean, a year ago, she didn't know his name and now she's actually impressed. So it's it's sexy. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that is some brains um, are sexy. That is some female interaction with a a female of the human species. And um, he's McConaughey his way through it. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I like that. Very good. Uh, Let's see here. Um, I'm impressed. And when we spoke with Hannah Keppel, she mentioned there might have been three different versions of this that, um, you know, kind of did did different things. One was probably to break or maybe two was to break. I, I kind of forget. Uh, but ch- check out that episode if you guys haven't yet. It's on YouTube and obviously on the audio podcast. Um, we see Big Red uh, walking by uh, Dimitri here, but he's filming Hawk juggling the soccer ball. Um, and he's reached 22 times that he's uh, juggled the ball, I believe. That, um, you know, kind of sounds impressive. Yeah. It's also a very good nod to the first movie. 22 times. Is that something I'm forgetting? No, not the 22 times. Okay. Just the. the <laughs> yes. Just the soccer, soccer ball juggling. Daniel teaching Daniel, Daniel teaching Allie how to you know juggle the a beach. soccer ball. Right, right, right. Right. The irony being that Elizabeth Shue was like the state caliber soccer champion, and um, Ralph Macchio was not the least bit athletically inclined about anything other than dancing. So uh, apparently, not not in karate either, uh, according to Cayman. <laughs> <laughs> right, but he looks good. He sells it. Yeah. So yeah, you know, there's that. Um, Huck kicks the ball into um, Dimitri's science project. Uh, he was not appreciating the attention he was getting from both Yasmin and Moon, I, I'd imagine. Um, I would think that's most likely. Mostly Moon. Mostly Moon. But they're both there, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is quite the difference with, um, you know, season one, where we see Dimitri and Eli together uh, across you know, the cafeteria looking at that table. Now, Dimitri's sitting at that kind of table, you know, with the, the two there. Right, right. And here is the Cobra Kai, if you, you know, relate it to who sat where in season one, um, Cobra Kai has kind of taken over the table that uh, Kyler and Brooks sat at, you know, because they're kind of catty corner from each other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see. It took Dimitri three weeks to build it, but it took three seconds for Hawk to destroy it. Um, Sam steps up 
she tries to back up Dimitri, but Hoxie counselor Blatt. Uh, so we see her again um, and provoke Sam by telling her to sleep with someone new and break his heart. Hawk is every man in this fandom, and he, I just want to punch him in the face. He is a problem in this scene. Yes, yeah, he is problematic. Horrible. Yeah, he is um, sexist. He is misogynistic. He is just so full of hate. Yep. Um, Yet and people love him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, because, you know, I mean, I remember cool. the, the little boy. I remember the little boy that he is inside. That's who I love. Right. I mean, I've said this many, many times. I could give two shits for Hawk. I want Eli. Yeah. So um, let's see. Kessler Blatt, uh, she asked if um, <laughs> if uh, Samantha is invading his personal bubble without his verbal consent. And Hawk snaps into his Eli voice and says she triggered him in his safe space. So <laughs> he knows how to work Kessler Blatt. He does. He does. He knows the buzzwords that are going to make her. I, yeah. I, OK, first of all, I adore Kessler Blatt. Yeah. I adore her. I I get that she loves these kids. She's really super trying. I love all of the badassery we're getting out of her this season. Oh, she's had enough of this shit. <laughs> but at the same time, she is every guidance counselor that has ever picked the bully's side because they are too narrow minded to see what's right in front of them. Mm -hmm. Which is. Everyone knows, everyone knows it's never the instigator that gets caught. Right. Right. It's the reactor. It's the target defending themselves. Everyone on the planet knows this. So mm -hmm. why don't the guidance counselors immediately ignore the person they just caught defending themselves yeah. <laughs> and go to the root of the problem? They why? should. But yeah, that's what they should do. And I know she loves the kids and I know she's trying. And hey, guess what? Hugs dot hugs, not hits does not work any better than just say dare. it or just than dare did, you know, right. because you are focusing on the wrong. You're not focusing on the root of the problem. You're focusing on the symptom, not the right. disease. But, so. you know, I, I, I agree with all of that. Um, but again, it, it, it comes back to a hawk knowing exactly what to do. Uh, she's got the, the history, right. With uh, his mom calling and, in all these things. So when he snaps back into his Eli voice and the way uh, Jacob does the things with his eyes, like he's Eli again, um, I think it kind of, that, that's why Councilor Blast sympathizes with him more, irregardless who, is that a word? Like, I feel I just heard something recently about that word. No, irregardless is not a word. That means okay. not regardless. Right. It's just um, regardless. Gosh, was it, are you crying kidding me? Did that come up? Somebody that was, sounds like something they would they, that sounds like something they would talk about. Irregardless is yeah. one of those words that just like makes every hair on my neck stand up. Some it was in a podcast recently that I listened to that that word came up and they go, no, it it wasn't a word. And apparently it is a word now. And it makes no sense because that because <laughs> it's not a word. Uh, so it was like a whole discussion on whatever I was listening to recently. So if it was okay. them, Jen yeah, we got to track that one down. You were listening to Cobra guys too. That sounds like something Mikey and Jeremy might talk about too. Mm, facts don't exist in their dojo. Well, yeah, but they would just be spouting it off whether it's a fact or not. Yeah. Um, it and Jeremy not... would say irregardless. Do you think so? Okay. I think he would. I think Mikey mm. would call him on it. 
Uh, either way. Uh, yes, back to our yeah. show. Yes, yes. Um, shout out to I them. just I have a lot of feelings about this confrontation. Yeah. In the cafeteria, I have a lot of feelings about the confrontations throughout this episode between the kids because just like the security guards that didn't protect them, just like the English teacher that didn't protect Sam in the finale, yeah. you know, just like every other adult in this school system that has failed these kids so far, counselor Blatt's doing it now too. Yeah. And I don't like that because she doesn't want to, she's like one of the ones that legitimately loves these kids yeah. and she's just doing it all wrong. So. And I think also, you know, Hawk is just kind of applying what, you know, Kreese taught them uh, at, you know, kind of earlier on in this episode, he's using his mind to stay on top. Right. Think outside so, the box, mm -hmm. never underestimate your enemy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Hawk tells the pansies for them, no space is safe. So a little, little threat there. Uh, we got Daniel walking through Tommy village green. Um, we got uh, this character by the name of Ren who gives them some exposition about what uh, Mr. Sato has done and that the villagers are actually fine uh, getting right. jobs and new homes. Um, right. It, 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 she doesn't say where their their homes are. Right. Um, but I'm assuming they're not going to be. I mean, the distance between Tomi Village and Naha was not that great to begin with. Right. The, you know, because be Daniel and Kumiko went on a date to Naha and, you know, they were back not very long, you know, afterwards. So right. it, it's been over three decades. And so you, you could imagine there's like um, a bunch of like newer developments and communities nearby, you know, uh, and, and obviously all the, the new businesses is um, providing these people jobs. So it happens. Um, and for those that don't know, where they shot Mr. Miyagi's house in the first movie, that is a, a whole ass new neighborhood, mm -hmm. you know? So that's just, that's, that's how things. Right. Happen. Things change, things yeah. develop. Mm -hmm. uh, plus the original Tomy village was built on, you know, and, and it's around a lagoon in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, so it, the, the one thing that I kept looking for the whole time he was in Okinawa that I did not see um, Kadena Air Base is a real place. It is a real air base on Okinawa, hmm. which is not a large island. So where the hell was the air base? Where did they actually film in regards to Kadena that they're so far away you never see a helicopter fly over? I don't know. Definitely not in Hawaii. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, the air the Air Force Base is real. Now, Tomi Village may have been made up or have existed at one point or whatever, but the Air Force Base is real. So, you know, like there's the atmosphere all through the Karate Kid Part 2 of the helicopters flying over and the trees laying down from the downdraft from the blades and, and the noise from the Air Force Base. If this mall is built right on top of the main street of that village where Ichiro used to pick his carrots. Um, where are the helicopters? Maybe that was something that worked out with, um, with Sato, you know, maybe the helipad was moved. I'm not sure. You really think the United States air force is going to move a helipad because an old Japanese man asks them to, it's not their land. I mean, I don't know. It's an air force base. It's American. You were in the military. You know, this, I don't, you don't. Mm -mm. 
You don't know that military bases are American soil? No, like I I, 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 I no. what I'm saying is I, I don't know what happened. So I'm just. Oh, OK. I'm pulling <laughs> things out of my ass. I'm sorry. It's not. Yeah. I, I was I was I was like, wait, what? He knows that's not possible. Daniel got there during their lunchtime. So nobody's flying <laughs> um, because it's an Air Force base, not an airport. So I don't think planes are coming all the time. I know that much. Right. Having well, it is Scott's Air Force Base, which I'm not far from down here. Um, they fly maneuvers out over yeah. us all the time. But um, I, they, I it's a different situation, too, in the in the 2020s or 2018 um, from 1984. Right. The Cold War is not a thing. Um, our military is not as active on foreign bases at that point, okay. at this point, I guess. Um, we have certain places that were focused, but that was just my, my curiosity level was where in Okinawa did they film that they got no actual interference from the actual air force base? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. So I rambled a whole bunch. I haven't talked about this show in a very long time. Does it show? Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. (laughs) I'm desperate. Someone help me. Let me talk about this show. Um, a whole lot of community and, and group page dedicated to those. Yes, uh, I know. And now that I got a working computer, I will be there. Yes. Uh, Daniel sees Kumiko dancing and we're all transported back to the summer of 1985. Now, one thing we got to go back. We got to mention oh, very quick okay. that walking through the original scene of, oh, okay. of um, Tomy Village Green. Right. Is our friend, Miss Raisley who is an extra in that scene. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I, I, I thought you were talking about the flashbacks for a second. Yes. Uh, Misa. Yes. Uh, Misa, Misa. Um, whatever Star. you know her. You, you, you might even know her as Melissa. Um, yeah, she is somebody we've actually, she, see, we met, we've met Amy before her. Mm-hmm. And I think I she, have not. I, I never did manage to um, hook oh, up. Oh, you weren't with us. Nope. Ah, yeah. Okay. So, um. So she is a fellow companion. She is uh, out here in these fandom streets. Um, I don't, I'm not going to get into the debate whether you or her like Daniel Moore or Ralph, uh, <laughs> for that matter. Uh, she's definitely Miyagi-Do. But, um, yes, yeah, absolutely. She, yeah, she's somebody in this fandom, and she was an extra uh, uh, walking by in the Tommy Village. But um, I was one of the few to have met her in Atlanta uh, during Dragon Con back in 2019. Uh, she found me. I mm-hmm. was I was walking over to go grab my uh, badge and I just heard Peter and I stopped by and I recognized her and we got a photo. And um, later on, she was with us, uh, well, a few of us, um, when we were lining up to see uh, Ralph and Billy and Marty and Owen and Nate was with us. So, um, again, for those that follow us on on Facebook, she tagged me on my birthday and shared the, the photo of me and her from Dragon Con. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, tiny little thing. Uh, fun side. She, yeah. Yes. Yeah. She is. She's very tiny and she's very upfront. She is in the yeah. front stage right corner of the screen. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I've seen the screenshot she has shared. Uh, but yeah, um, let's see here. So, yeah. Kumiko. Okay, so Kumiko is yeah. dancing. Yep. 1985 again. All over. Uh, yes. Got the feels. Yeah. Um, yes. so I love that they have all the military sprinkled in the back and these 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 kids that. look like they're like 12, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. 
looks like she stayed around to give back to her old community, perhaps. Yeah, which makes sense, you know, or that she came back one way or the other. She's still teaching dance. And yes, yep. in the middle of the street, she's still teaching dance in the middle of the street. <laughs> yep, yep. A little bit more organized this way. Uh, up here right. She is on stage. Right. Um, so we cut to the community center back in the U.S. again. Uh, homeless Lynn tells to Johnny, hey, pretty boy. <laughs> uh, you know, um, but anyway, he basically gives the vulture her soup. Right. Yeah. Half uh, the pizza. Yeah. Now the soup. Um, she's just uh, a bully. She she keeps taking, you know, Johnny's food. She goes around collecting Johnny's half eaten food. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is really disgusting when you think about it. Well, hey, you know, if you're without a home and, you know, don't, don't get a lot of meals, you'll take what you can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I would want to eat after Johnny of all people. Mm. I, I I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sure some people would take Johnny's bowl and lick it after him. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know you. that I would. Well, of course not. Now it was and, Daniel. You never know what you're gonna catch, Daniel. You know? <laughs> You'll probably Daniel on the other hand suck down yes. that spoon and everything. Wine um, glasses and again yeah, <laughs> napkins. Yeah. You know, whole nine. Yeah. Uh, so Johnny, off <laughs> yeah, Johnny offers to help Robbie uh, with the soup uh, here. And I, I kind of do like this, this exchange a little bit. Yeah, it's it has the potential to be very endearing. And in the end, it's just very Johnny and pathetic. Can you imagine getting thrown out of a homeless shelter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Robbie did say he's not supposed to be there. Right. Well, he's um, not because he's not homeless. You know, he's, right. he stole a meal from someone who actually hadn't eaten in days. Yeah. You know, if you want to get into all of the philosophical things that Johnny exactly. just screwed up. Yeah. Um, um, we cut to the soccer field. Uh, the Cobras show up and some other students make way. So clearly the other students know to stay out of the the way of the hawk. Um, right, so who we who we got here what? walking up? We've got we've got uh, hawk uh, Rickenberger, Rickenbacker, whatever. Burger. Rick. Yeah. Um, and not Frank. Mm. And then um, uh, the Serrano boy. Um, mm. and then Dieter in the back. Edwin and Big Red. Right. Okay. I, I mean, I don't have anything up in front of me, so I'm gonna have to take your word for it. Uh, I think, it, yeah, Serrano, that's his last name. We that's need to come his up real with a character. Life, so, yeah, that's yeah. his real right. last name. Um, we need to come up with a name for this child. Or find out if there is one. And I think not Frank has a name. I'd have to see his face, but I believe you. Yeah, the long haired kid that's always with Eli and Rickenbacker, Rickenberger. Okay. Rick. Um, everyone, oh, wait, Miyagi Do taking advantage of uh, Counselor Blatt not being there, and they get a little physical, uh, with the mm -hmm. Kai and a few new students that we don't know yet. There's another girl in Miyagi Do, uh, either that or she's just yeah. friends with them and she decides to kick the crap out of them because she's sitting there with them and running around with them. So, okay, um, you got to fill up that that uh, field, right? So, <laughs> right, right, there's yeah. a curly headed kid. And a, and a brown haired girl, real pretty. And everyone gets sent to the principal's office uh, by the coach. It, 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 Sam stepping on his chest looks so awkward. It, I, I don't find it awkward. I think it's like 
kind of funny cute. Like I, I know that's not like a way to describe anything, but the way she does it, it's like I feel there's some missing like comedic um sound effects, you know. It, it's just it's really playful and funny. Uh, but the look right. on Mary it's Mauser's like, face kind of like, you know, like it's it's I think it's fun. It's kind right. of a, a fun uh, um, butt k- kicking they do. Uh, all the these soundtrack makes it stuff. The, the soundtrack, you know, it, it, we, we've got both movies, if you want to call it an Easter egg or whatever. Um, you know, we've got Karate Kid one and Karate Kid two. Um, being called back to here, Karate Kid 2, obviously, with the music. Right. One of my favorite songs from the Karate Kid Part 2, Rock and Roll Over You, from the and bar. I, I think Michael mentioned that um, he did not have this uh, song written in the script and that maybe it was just something that they decided to use because it was from the Karate Kid Part 2 and had nowhere else to put it. Well, and it fits perfectly as far as... The, the timing and the tempo, it fits with the soccer game and the mm-hmm. whole rolling over you. They're stomping all over each other. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sam does it. She's right. Yeah. So you've you've got that going on. You've got the Cobras bullying Daniel at the soccer tryouts going on. Um, you know, you've you've got the shades of the first two movies. Yeah. Definitely all going on in this scene. Mm-hmm. Um. And Counselor Blatt again, trying to get control and failing miserably, because what can one tiny little woman actually do against a soccer field full of karate experts? I mean, yeah, really? We'll, we'll find we'll, out in a few scenes here. Right. Um, we cut back to Tomi Village. and Well, no, we cut back to Okinawa. And uh, Kumiko, we find out, has been traveling around the world after graduation. Um She's been to a lot of places like uh, Australia and stuff, but especially liked London because she got to see the Cranberries open for Radiohead back in 1995. So a little call back to the next Friday kid here. I was like, of all the things to bring up, bring up the freaking. I like the Cranberries. I love the Cranberries. I really do. But please don't remind me that movie exists. Well, I mean, if you're going to talk about the cranberries and the timeline, yeah, I mean, it, it's you, you got to reference it. And obviously, know. you know, Dreams was in every 90s teen movie. This is very true. <laughs> you know? It really was. And um, who knows? Who, how, how do we not know this could possibly set up uh, bringing in the next Karate Kid, um, you know, in, in future seasons? Right. So, I mean, I, I know this is not a direct like, hey, we're setting something up. But it's a but callback. It's, it's a mention of the cranberries. It's yes. a mention of the early to mid nineties, which is where Karate Kid, your next Karate Kid, came from. Right. Um, it's acknowledging. It, it's it's a basic human conversation, right? I mean, they're yeah. they're catching up after having not seen each other in in thirty some years. Um, love her to death. I I and I understand, you know, that there's the the um like the honor and the ceremony and things like that involved and having a white guy pour the tea in Japan would look really awkward and Mm, (laughs) it would probably not be done, but I would love to see Daniel pour Kumiko a cup of tea one of these years. Yeah. Um, We'll find out if they do. Right. But you know, there's, there's the, the pretty blatant Easter egg there for, you know, their last date that we saw them on. Right. Which ended Uh, in a typhoon. So yes, prematurely. Absolutely. 
Uh, we find out that she started teaching after she moved back to Okinawa when Yukie got sick. Um, Yukie always wanted her to get married. And I had hoped that they joked about arranged marriages, but we get the free agent call back at least. So very close. Yep. Yeah. Uh, because I, I was all like, really? Did she kind of hang on to that, 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 you know, slang all these years? <laughs> um, um, the, the free agent thing, I think, you know, just like with any teenage, like in joke that you have, you, you hang on to stupid, stupid stuff. Okay. Yeah, and right, I that's think that's fair. just one of those things that just became something she looked fondly back on. Okay. Was that line. Um, and he asked about like, oh, nobody's asked you to marry them. And she said many tried to put a ring on it, but none of them fought her to the death or fought to not her, but fight her to the death. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that was more of a, I think that was a joke. I don't think that was like what actually happened. I don't, I don't. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I know. Yeah. A, a lot of people were, were giving her crap that she would have waited 35 years, you know, and Daniel went on with his life. And why didn't she go on with hers? And it's like she did. She did. She didn't yeah. want to get married. She traveled the world. Um, right. How difficult would it do? You, are you going to have your husband come around with you all over the world while, while you're dancing like she she was focusing on her and, and mm -hmm. what she wanted to do. Um, Daniel fell in love, started a family and and did his thing. And mm -hmm. that was what was in his cards. So, right. Yeah, I agree with you. Right. And no, there, there's uh, there's always going to be that fondness in their hearts for each other, because yeah. like I have said many times that, yeah, Allie may have been Daniel's first real like relationship. Yeah. Aside from Judy. Kumiko, I do believe, was the first woman he was ever in love with. I think he was desperately in love with her yeah. and she with him. So there's always going to be that. Right. She is his first love. Right. And for anybody that wants to debate, well, what about Allie? Well, again, at this point in Daniel's timeline, life, whatever, he still thinks that she left him for a UCLA football player and wrecked his car. Right. Right. At this point. Right. So, right. so he may not be thinking about Allie. And even though the first, you know, the events of the first movie may have seemed, you know, so immediately dire to Daniel at the age of 15, what he went through with Kumiko was uh, hands down, undeniably a thousand times more profound. Yeah. I'd say so. <laughs> than what yeah. he went through with Allie. Yeah. Um, uh, typhoons and fights to the death and, you know, the whole nine. So. Right. Um, and let's see, she senses something's up and questions why is he really, uh, back in Okinawa and he says everything in his life is crazy and, uh, people are looking to him for answers. Yeah. And, and I just, I'm, I'm going to be very, very shallow for a moment and say that this is one of my favorite scenes of the entire season, just because these are two such beautiful people uh -huh. in every shot. Mm-hmm. They yeah. are just gorgeous and they are gorgeous together and their chemistry is still there. And it just feels right. Yeah. You know, and again, we've been seeing Daniel for at this point, two and a half seasons mm -hmm. and Tamlin, this is the first time we've seen her since the next or the Karate Kid part two. Mm -hmm. and she snaps back into character, you know? Yeah. Right um, back into it. They fall right back into whatever pattern they had at the end of that summer with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she relates this to a nightmare she had about feeling, um, you know, losing control and 
Daniel says that he needs to go to Miyagi for help. And she thinks that she can make that happen. Yes. And I immediately grabbed my chest Mm -hmm. and went, oh, no, what has she got? (laughs) So Johnny is drinking at a bar. So it must be a Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, day ending in day. Uh, Lots of peanut shells must have been there for a little bit. That's a lot of peanuts. Yeah. You know, the bowl is still full. So, you know, they filled it up a couple of times. Um, bar um, his, yeah. I say his uh, style of bar has uh, kind of taken a, a plunge since the first episode here, hasn't well, it? W- when you're getting drunk and getting kicked out of every single one of them, you're running out of options. Right. He's not in a pole barn yet, so I guess he's doing OK. Yeah. Uh, bartender asks if uh, everything's OK. He's not in the mood to talk. Um, Chris shows up and orders a cutty and water. Mm-hmm. What, what is that? No clue. OK. Um, cause Cuddy, it, I'm assuming Cuddy is a kind of whiskey or a bourbon. Okay. Uh, he knew he'd find him there and, um, I guess was giving him some time to cool off. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this too. A police officer shows up to order his lunch. Um, uh, it's going to take three minutes. So Johnny gives crease three minutes, uh, to, to talk. Yep. And In offer him the fourth of 18 last chances. So did you time it? No, I didn't. I, I just did. I just I just went with it. It, <laughs> yeah. it feels pretty close to three minutes. It, it was know, it was so. less than two. Um, it was about a minute and a half, if, if, if I remember correctly. The reason I did that uh, to call back to another show that I really love, enjoy and the writing is you know fantastic and all that. But Breaking Bad, uh, there's an episode I think it was called One Minute. It's been a while, um, but there's something that happens. Um, and I believe the episode number coincided with the time uh, that it was on the clock where something happened. And in the sequence, it took exactly one minute. So I, I was thinking that they were going to play around with that a little bit here. Um, telling Chris, you know, had three minutes and I thought it was going to be exactly three minutes, but it was shorter. Uh, yeah. And it ends up being, it is just barely two. I went back and looked at the yeah. timestamp, scrolled through. Are yep. there bras hanging from that moose's antlers? Uh, could be. I, I don't know. I did not look at that. This is because I, I, I'm, I'm paused right now on the bar and this is this place is a dive. Yeah. Um, gives him a speech. You hear an abusive relationship and asks him to come back. We'll always be a teacher. Yep. Yep. So we've got, you know, the the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh of 18 last chances. Yep. Um, this is really your last chance, Johnny. Yep. To get a last chance before this, I give you another last it. chance. Final answer. Give it to me. Um, <laughs> he says the way of the fist is the only way to come back, which, uh, again, kind of harking back to the original movies, way of the fist. Uh, senses he wants part of Miguel and threatens if he goes anywhere near him and his fam that he'll kill him. Yeah, um, I like that. I, I like I, I like that. Badass protective Papa Johnny. I really do. Uh-huh. Love, it, love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Uh, we have karate, uh, karate, Cobra Kai and Miyagi students in the hallway waiting as Hawk leaves um, Counselor Blatt's office. I think that was the hallway we were in. Maybe. Um, I mean, I, I'm saying that because of all the be, lockers. Let's see. What is it? This is counselor. Well, all, all hallways are going to have. Um, but if through that door behind Rickenbacker, there is the lobby, then, yeah, that's the one we were in. Right. And then the cafeteria is down a little bit on the right. 
I think like when we walk into the school, I think the cafeteria was to the right, but through some mm-hmm. other doors that we didn't go through, I feel. Yeah. And it wasn't done yeah. yet. Right. Um, uh, and the, I don't think the the nameplates were up either. I, I No, no, I don't remember seeing the, the counselor on that door or any of that. But it makes me wonder through this whole little thing, um, where is Little Red? Because he has he wasn't at the soccer he, game that I saw. And I don't think he's in the hallway, is he? He's not. And I, I'm assuming that he did not have Jim that block. Oh, oh, that makes sense, because Little Red would not be an upperclassman. OK, he would be with Bert and um, Nate. Yeah, but um, I mean, every well, a lot of schools are different. I know that um, my son and I, we went to the same middle school. And when I went, there was just one lunch hour. And when he went, I feel there was like three different lunch blocks. So things change all the time. Oh, yeah, um, we we had three. Yeah. Um, see, and then they so, moved homeroom from the middle of the day till back at the beginning. And then, yeah, things got all weird. Yeah, things. I mean, and like I'm 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 only 17 years older than my son. So he had some teachers that I had, but mm-hmm. so so much had changed like since I was there. It was really weird. So, oh, man, I'm um, 29 years older than my <laughs> daughter and she had teachers that I had. Holy cow. They must have been like really brand new. They, uh, yeah, I had them first year and she had them last. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. I, I again, here's Counselor Blatt and Eli has got his psycho look on his face, you know, where he looks up through his eyelashes at Dimitri and yeah. um, Dimitri's standing there and he's the one who's bleeding. Mm-hmm. And she's taking the other side again. Um, we find out. Okay, so I'm assuming Big Red is called well Edwin Johnson and Rickenberger, um, one name like Madonna, and uh, Eli are free to go here. Uh, so we we get some last names. That's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Miyagi Do will receive rehabilitative detention, not punitive. Um, so that's interesting. It's one of those like choice of words because like if if it was. I mean, detention, you think punitive, but this is like, no, this is to help you uh, with your anger issues, uh, basically. Help me how? By sticking me in a room and telling me to do my homework. There is literally no difference. Yeah. (laughs) Literally no no difference. Um, It's all just about trying to coddle their emotions and they're being punished for defending themselves. And it's once again, bullshit. I feel for Sam so hard during this episode. Yeah. Uh, she gets uh, two for saying bullshit and says this school sucks. Just right. Like and dad. yeah, that another, of course, um, another uh, Easter egg for the first movie. Um, here is a LaRusso uh, screaming that this school sucks after a, uh, a soccer game An altercation or, yeah, on the soccer alter- field. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Perfect. Um, um, uh, mm-hmm. She tries to put her elbow through a locker. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know her that well. No, right. Yep. Dimitri. Uh, such a bullshitter. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, she got the two weeks. He's only got the one. So if he distanced her, himself from her, is he? does he think he's going to get away with not going to the one week of det- or one uh, Saturday detention? I don't know what Dimitri thinks. I never know what Dimitri thinks. I mean, you would think at this point that he was happy to be associated with her. Yeah. You know, he he's followed her lead so far. And now he's freaking Judas Iscariot in her over there. Rehib, rehib, 
Rehabilitative. Rehabilitative. <laughs> Rehabilitative. Yeah. You know, like I know that's not like a, I mean, it's kind of a difficult word for me, but I feel, I'm sure a lot of people can say it, but it kind of reminds me, like, I, I think the first time we spoke with Michael, he mentioned that um, it was something about Courtney and uh, like the, the things that he has her say can also be difficult. Yeah, because Amanda strings together these giant words in rapid succession. Yeah. Um, which I can do off the cuff sometimes in a room full of people if I'm supposed to sound smart. Yeah. But if you put them in front of me and tell me to read them, I'm going to I'm going to be one of those people that, you know, says nuclear and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I'm going to trip all over myself. Uh, I do it all the time. Um, we cut to Kumiko's house and uh, again, um, well, I don't know if it was mentioned until now, but it was left to her by Yuki after her passing. Uh, so this did. is the house that Daniel and Mr. Miyagi built. Yes. Yes. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, no, I think this is newer. Uh, but yeah, no, no. I, I thought you were going to say like it was the house from part two, but it's not. But, no, no, no. It's the one that right. they built at the end before they came back. Yeah. Um, where Mr. Miyagi was talking about, you know, they had built the house for UKA and money was very, you know, short supply. But this garden is gorgeous. Right. Um, she didn't have the heart to sell it, to which Daniel can relate, obviously. Yeah. Lighting- he still owns a greenhouse in Cuyahoga Park. Yeah. Um, the lighting of the lantern, the, the, it, I don't, I don't know if it's called back because like the lighting of the lantern in the second movie was after the passing of Mr. Miyake's father. Yes. Um, but I mean, it could be, I mean. Oh, I think so. That, that's, that's so? the way okay. I took it, that, that that's Daniel, um, maybe not consciously, but you know, visually, metaphorically, this is Daniel visually. lighting okay. a candle for Mr. Miyagi. Uh, I do. That's a really beautiful lantern. I really like it's that. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, she has a box of letters to Yukie from Mr. Miyagi, uh, who wrote um, for many years. Daniel's is surprised by this. And um, the first letter that's pulled out is uh, mentions having fallen in love with her twice in one lifetime. Just beautiful words. Um, the second one Daniel picks up and he realizes is dated from the week of his passing. So this is, this is the, the shot that we saw in the trailer and we're like, yes, Oh, when what's he's, happened? Yeah. yeah. Why, why is he so upset? What's he so upset about? Yeah. Um, it's everything about that first letter. I mean, I love it. It's, it's as explicit as two sixty somethings are going to get in the eighties. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but to, you know, old world, you know, kind of souls as Mr. Miyagi and, and Yuki A were um, for him to see Mr. Miyagi in that light and realize that he was, I mean, he knew that they were in love with each other. He knew that there was a romance there, but now he actually sees how deep it went and how long it lasted. Uh-huh. Um, and he's never really seen Mr. Miyagi as the romantic hero of the story before. Right. And he, I love that. He didn't see all that we saw in the movie, right? Exactly. There was parts that Daniel was gone. and Oh, so. when he's singing to her on the deck. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There you go. That's another one. Um, uh, let's see. The letter mentions that he had not written her in some time uh, and that he was back in the hospital. So... We're getting some exposition here. Um, he's been watching some TV and he's been thinking about everything. 
mentions he too was lost at one point until he met Daniel. Uh, mentions that he's hard headed, so I, I, I like that there. Yes. Um, never would have thought that uh, he'd have a family again. So this is oh the waterworks. You know, if it wasn't oh already God, there, yes. yeah. This this validates this revalidates this one letter fixed everything that the next Karate Kid destroyed for me. Yeah. And MJS, Michael, my friend, very well done. Yeah. And beautiful. And thank you. And this, this is such a great, like, you know, whatever you want to call it, set, uh, set up a uh, payoff from season one, when we find out from John Hurwitz on Twitter, why Mr. Miyagi passed away later than Pat Morita did. Right. So oh my God, yes. having that knowledge that, um, uh, Mr. Miyagi has been around Amanda long enough, around Samantha long enough that we find out in this episode that she called him Tane. Yes. You know, and um, yeah, it's just the payoff. That's why I was ugly crying like Kim Kardashian, you know, <laughs> because, <clears throat> excuse me, because of that payoff. And so it, it, it hit us differently that pay attention to those details in the casual fans. Right. And, and, I mean, my one of my things had always been that she called him Oji, which is the Japanese word um, uh-huh. for grandpa. Uh, I guess I, I wonder what the original word that uh, Michael wrote was, because I guess Tamlin right. was the one who came to him and said, no, the word is Tanme in Okinawan. Right. Correct. Um, yep. So it just everything about me always believing that the reason they did that was, you know, so Sam would have a grandfather and Mr. Miyagi is her grandfather. And here yeah. it's laid out right in front of us. Mr. Miyagi feels like he is Sam's grandfather. He does feel like he is Daniel's father. Uh, Daniel is his guiding light. Oh my God. I can't, I can't stop talking about this letter. Um, it's fantastic. Um, it is. And here's Daniel and he's so lost. Right. And he can't figure out why I'm almost 50. Why can't I get it together? Mr. Miyagi had it together when he was 50. No, he didn't. Mr. Miyagi didn't have it together until he met Daniel. Right. So where is Daniel's Daniel? Yeah. Right. He's um, going to get it together, but. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then sorry. obviously the, the title of this episode, uh, there's this line in the letter in life. We'll always lose our way, but it is people not the signs that guide us back to the right path, um, which, you know, you, you hear that and you're like, oh man, that's so beautiful. That, that's Mr. Miyagi, isn't it? And then he says it it's from a car commercial and you're like, oh, you God. know what? That's Mr. Miyagi too. That is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I love that. Um, he like ends up with all these accidental pop culture references that are yeah. just like brilliant. Uh, yeah. The, the cars are from Detroit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here we go. The spirit of Miyagi, you know, in these oh my letters. God, I'm crying again. Just yeah. They thinking freaking it, nailed it. They oh nailed my it. God. This, the uh, the yeah. stuff about Sam and the stuff about Daniel and mm-hmm. just to see Daniel finally cry. Yeah. Um, and I mean, not really, you know, like let himself go like you know ball baby or anything but this is the first time we've actually seen tears on daniel's cheeks Mm -hmm. um you've been waiting for it i have and it's like he he it had to be mr miyagi that put them there yeah so 
if what we've been watching, and I really believe this, you know, like I said, in season one, the first five episodes did not recognize Daniel until he, you know, grabbed that Tinagui and put it on. Right. Yeah. Um, so and it's like, oh, Daniel, there you are. But then he becomes a dick bag again. But then he's Daniel again. But then he's a dick. And this is him like working his way back. The smiles with Kumiko are Daniel. Yeah. 100 percent this is the 16 year old kid in okinawa mm-hmm. again and it's brilliant and i just i can't, i could gush about it forever ever and ever and ever obviously um which we got to keep moving yes we uh, do yep uh back at the hospital johnny walks in as miguel is trying to reach for his phone and we snap back into season one johnny miguel and i'm here for it oh my god so much yeah uh, quiet. <laughs> um, if you go all in, I'll be right there next to you because I'll always be your teacher. So I thought it was an interesting choice of words that he used after having spoken with Chris too. Just the teacher. Well, part. and plus he's, you know, I think part of that conversation with Chris is is what spurred him to, you know, despite Miguel thinking he needs Johnny to go away, Johnny knows what Miguel actually needs. And what Miguel actually needs is to get off his ass. Yeah. Um, and he's the only one that's going to do that. Plus, he now has to protect him from Crease, knowing that he's on Crease's radar. Right. right? So, yeah, I, it, it like breaks through whatever resistance he had earlier in the episode to actually going in. Yeah. Um, challenges him to get the phone and falls out of his bed. Fell oh, my like God. A champ. Yes. You felt like a champ. Uh, it's so Johnny and Miguel. You're right. It's absolutely Johnny and Miguel complete with the, Oh shit. Yeah. Thud. Um, I love it. It, It's just boom. They're right back into it. And and this was a really nice sequence to have following the letters of Miyagi. If you were just sitting there wiping all your tears away, you know? Um, So it was nice levity. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a moment of levity, right? But you also go from Daniel finding out that he is who found Mr. Miyagi and put him back on the right path. Now we bounce over to it couldn't be any more blatant. Right. Miguel is Johnny's Daniel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it, it the juxtaposition of the two, I thought, was just beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Robbie bumps into Sean and his goons and Sean mocks his conversation with Johnny at the uh, community center. Tells him he's got nothing left. Um, okay. I love you, yeah. Sean. You're a dick. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's this is true. Uh, guard calls him Payne. So we find out Sean's last name. Um, Sean's full name is Sean Payne. Mm-hmm. Um, Robbie has a visitor and it's crease greets him. Call, uh, says, hello, son. Get away from that baby. All right. <laughs> Get away from that baby. Yeah. Get out. Uh, we cut to a bar and we get a little fake out with the uh, the ice blocks. The ice. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so awesome. It looks great. And I, I like it that it, you know, it kind of, yeah, it kind of takes us back to Karate Kid Part 2 with the ice blocks in the bar again with the, you know, similar cast here. Um, cheers. Much with, more um, sedate, much less uh, rowdy U.S. military hangout. Um, right, right. Place. Yeah. Less yeah. people, but but at least the principal uh, cast, they, you got the, the three main ones here. Um, right. And then you actually have um, 
a blatant Easter egg um, where after Daniel and Kumiko danced, they reached across and, you know, held hands yep. around their drinks on the table. They start, they kind of lean into that. The drinks are on the table and both of their hands are in the shot. Um, now, and it's beautiful. I, it is. Uh, I thought this was water. Is it, did you take, take it for water? I mean, I, I thought it was interesting that they were cheersing with water, but I mean, you could cheers. No, I kind of took it as sake. Okay. Okay. I don't know uh, what color. I mean, are there different grades of sake? Yes. With like different clarity. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, I just assumed that they were drinking sake. Okay. Uh, thanks, sir, for reading the letters previous night and that it was like having him back. Um, Kumiko tells Daniel about something Yukie always told her, put good out in the world and good will come back to you, mm-hmm. uh, which I like. And that's kind of, you know, it's like karma, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, we're always trying to put good out into the fandom too. Hopefully it returns. Uh, uh, yeah. that, that, that is the goal. That is yeah. the goal. Um, but I, I, I love, you know, it's again, the, the hands and the drinks interrupted by chosen in the second movie. And All right. Um, there, we go. Yeah, there he is. There, there he is. is. Uh, yeah. Voice calls out to Daniel. And we get the, uh, the appearance of Chosen, uh, played by one Yuji Okamoto. And I love the, the cut to the flashback, the, the way they cut that. It's, um, it, it reminds you, like, if you don't know who this character is, this is one bad motherfucker. Right, <laughs> it, right. That's who that is. Uh, Colin that's Chosen who that is. is. Yeah. Yes. So, and um, I just, oh. I love it. I love it. We knew he was there. We knew he was there. We'd been waiting since August to see him. Because Are we saw sure him about that? in August. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and some of us measured his hairline and the rest of us went, no, that's him. Right, um, right. Yeah. Um, and it's perfect. Man, fantastic episode. Uh, just just wow. Um, yeah. I, I haven't looked at the runtime. I imagine that. I mean, we this is only our fourth review so far. I, I feel this is probably uh, the longest one we've, we've done. A lot to unpack. Um, you know, I jokingly call this one the Credit Kid Part 2 Part 2. <laughs> uh, right. Right. And so, the episode itself, let's see, to the CB logo, um, 3449. Mm. So this is one of the longer ones. Yeah. This is one of the longer episodes. Um, um and that's to the counterbalance logo so that's without all the um uh internationalizations yeah so a, a lot of um a lot of talking and i don't mean that as a criticism but we find out so much and um you know it it answered a lot of questions may, maybe mainly for people like you and i that had you know from like mm-hmm. the original movies and things like that um uh, just it, it's it, it was um obviously wonderful to see tamlin and ug again uh, mm-hmm. reprising their characters from our uh, you know favorite sequel yes so favorite uh, movie of all time yeah, yeah yeah so i mentioned at the top of the show that we did have uh, a voicemail and uh, this one comes from jonah and so jonah thank you for your voicemail and this is what he says hey what's up peter and brianna um i'm jonah you might have met me on instagram um i love your podcast all you do um I had a couple questions. I was wondering if you, what you think of what happened to Mr. Miyagi's bonsai tree in the Devil's Cauldron in Karate Kid 3. And do you think Daniel's ever seen any of his buddies from Newark? Thanks. Love to hear the answer. Good listening to you guys. Thanks. Uh, Jonah, yeah, thank you uh, for that voicemail. Really appreciate it. Um, that's a good question. 
Do you have any idea where the bonsai tree might be? I mean, if it's still there at the Devil's Cauldron? Me? Yeah. Um, have believed since we saw it that the Devil's Cauldron tree is planted at Mr. Miyagi's grave. Okay. Wait. That, that, I think that's... Daniel went and got it off the cliff and planted it with him because he thought that's where it needed to be. Interesting. We'll we'll have to find out more about that. But mm-hmm. um, I, yeah. I keep meaning to ask that in a Q and A. Yeah. Um. And I, I mean, I've been waiting three years and I haven't asked it yet. So. So, so you, you need to get on that before somebody steals your thunder. Right. Um, but I've always I've always thought that 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 was it, it intended to be the devil's cauldron tree planted okay. in his grave. Well, there you go. Maybe you should just shoot a random tweet after this. Um. Yeah, don't don't even wait for the Q&A. Just ask. You know, let's let's find out. Oh, that's uh, true. We haven't had a QA and a in what, six months. Oh, they've been busy. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just just a little. Um, Come indulge us, boys. We miss yeah. you. His okay. buddies from Newark. I'd, I'd imagine so. You know, we're, we're probably not seeing it, but uh, obviously cousin Louie is over here now. You know, right. Probably... Louie has moved to California. Kevin yeah. and Kenny. We got it. We got to meet Kevin and Kenny. Yeah, they're probably doing OK. Um, I bet we'll see, Judy. Though. I bet Judy was dating Kevin and then ran off and married Kenny. You know, it could, could be very likely, you know, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, other than other than Louie. Um, I don't know that he really keeps in touch with his friends from Newark. Daniel doesn't have very many friends. Yeah. And, you know, like maybe they're they kept in touch on Instagram, you know, Facebook. Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. yeah. So that way. But, um, you know, who knows? I I I don't know how often he's gone back, but his mom is living, you know, kind of nearby ish, at least in California, I'd imagine. See, we don't really know where Lucille lives, do we? Yeah, but I mean, when she I don't... comes, she stays in the guest room. She she lives far enough that she stays there. Right. But I don't get the impression that she moved back or anything. Right. Um, because See, I don't know. Well, I mean, do we think her brother is still alive? No, so no. She almost has no reason to go back when her son and his that would family, be her brother-in-law. But yeah. oh, um, right, right. I don't. I think she may have gone back to take care of her brother-in-law or her father-in-law, whichever it may have been. I don't know. Um, and then just stayed there because huh. okay. by the time Uncle Louis passed away, Daniel would have been 18. He's living with Mr. Miyagi. He's working, you know, at a garage or a car dealership or wherever he's working at the time. He's a grown man. Yeah. She if, can do whatever she wants and live wherever she wants. If if she went back to help take care of him in the credit Kid part three, very likely she could have gone back and just stayed there at some point as well. Yeah. Um, Daniel, Mr. Miyagi is important to him. Daniel stayed there. He was a young adult, started his life there. And so, yeah, may, maybe something we'll find out in uh, future seasons. Yeah. And I fully believe that some strange woman moved into his house in the summer of 1994 and he had no idea what the hell was going on. Maybe we'll find that out, too. Yeah, we might. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode. Um, thanks again, Jonah, for for your voicemail. Yes, thank you, Jonah. Um, if you guys are you know looking for merch and didn't know, we do have a merch store on Threadless. The link is in the show notes. Uh, but if you want uh, some other designs, uh, Contenders also has some great stuff. We have a link in the show notes that will take you to their website. And if you use our code CKPODCAST, you'll get 20% off. So we just get a little kickback off of that. But um, 
uh, I, I think that's all I got. We got the website, um, 73 interviews at this point. We have one that we'll be releasing soon, some more in the works, um, some more in the talk. So definitely some more content coming your guys' way, as always. Um, and now that I have a working computer, we're looking at, you know, the the, the rebrand coming up and the, the kind of relaunch. Um, I'm going to be able to make more things. So look for new designs in the merch store uh, coming yeah, shortly. I go. just, I have the ability to create again and I yeah. am going to use it. Fantastic. I missed it very badly. So um, where can people f- uh, find you if they don't already follow you on social media? I am Brianna 25 on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, archive of our own fanfiction.net. Did I say Tumblr, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook? Yeah, I it, all, everywhere. Everywhere. That's me. Everywhere. Brianna 25. I'm me. Uh, on Twitter, I am at Cobra Kai Pod, Cobra Kai Podcast on Instagram. Um, I'm, I, I think I'm more, yeah, I'm definitely more active on Instagram. So uh, give me a follow there. Sometimes I go live. Um, maybe some, sometimes I'll throw a uh, trivia in the story. So um, if Instagram's your thing, look, uh, you know, look, search for me, Cobra Kai Pod. Uh, podcast sorry and um i guess until the next episode these gym shorts pinch in all the wrong places ouch Haven't you done enough, princess?